0: Excellent. Now, I didn't think we'd been here, so I didn't think we'd be recording, so I would have actually worn sleeves. uh, (laughs) Get them out, Josh. All right, here we go. Picture your life as a four-burner stovetop. One burner represents your family, one is your friends, the third your health, and the fourth, career. Now, if you have them all going at once, you're going to burn out. So in order to be successful, you need to turn one off. If you want to be super successful, they say turn off two. My name is Josh Earle, and by the end of this podcast, we'll see which ones are being left on and which ones are getting turned off. This is Four Burners. Hello and welcome to Four Burners. My name is Josh Earle, and joining me this week, very special guest, comedian, podcaster, and one of the best laughers in the business. Please welcome us, Kirsty Weebeck. Yay! <laughs> Thanks. Hey, buddy. Hey, legend. Best laughers in the business. I haven't heard that before. I think you, there's, there's you, Adam Richard, who are, every time I have a podcast with multiple people, I always look at the, you can always see the little waveforms afterwards. Oh, right, right. And constantly, you two, I look at them like... Did they not stop speaking? It was just laughter and talking, laughter and talking. It's yeah. great. And not laughter at your own stuff, I should point out. Yeah, i laughter mean, laughter at other people. You're very you're very giving.
1: I, I love a laugh, but I am prone to laughing at my own stuff as well. <laughs> I think there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Yeah, I don't mind it either. I mean I've been criticised for it in the past, but no. I'm like, I'm sorry that I'm having a nice time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's so weird when people have a weird time with people just being joyful.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, they're like, well, um, it'd be good if you could be a bit more deadpan at the end of your jokes and it's like, well, why? And and most comedians that laugh at the end of their jokes most aren't laughing at the joke because it's a joke they've done a million times. It's often the audience's reaction that you're responding to. You're enjoying their enjoyment of the joke but some people are like, it's so embarrassing.
0: It's (laughs) also part of the art that you're like, hey, I've thought about this. And yeah. I know that if I provide the energy, the audience will match that energy. That's exactly yeah. right. Yes, yeah. It's, it's yeah. almost like I know what I'm doing. I know, it's so funny when people <laughs> look at comedy and like, oh, they're laughing at their own joke. It's like, yeah, that's a conscious decision. We, yeah. we've This isn't the first time we've got up on stage and done it. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, so thanks for doing four burners. So the conceit of the program is your life is a four burner stovetop. You can't have them all going at once. You need to turn some off. So we're going to talk about your burners and then at the end – you tell me which ones are staying on which is probably the more positive way to do it and which one might go off now you get to choose which one you want to start with so it's family health friends or career which one do you want to start with family
1: health friends career
0: mm, let's start with family family okay great um i know i've i've met members of your family how many how many in your family so um, I'm one of three
1: girls. Yes. Yeah. So I've got an older sister and a younger sister. Yeah. And then my parents are still
0: kicking about as well. Middle child. Middle child. Me too. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> we get a bad rap. We do. Yeah. Do, were you? Did you have a role in your family?
1: Um, probably peacekeeper. Yep. Is that true for you too?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't like it being too like didn't like yelling around didn't like emotion. Pretty much. Like mm-hmm. if there was some emotions, I'd be trying to keep it light. Hey, look at me. I can do this and yes. all that kind of stuff. Were you the similar? Very but, similar. Yeah.
1: Trying to diffuse any kind of animosity or hostility with, Yeah. what about this joke? Yeah. What about that? I just learned how to juggle. Yeah. <laughs> so what's
0: the age difference between you and your siblings?
1: It, we're pretty much
0: 22 months on
1: either side of me. Yeah. So we're pretty close in age.
0: Yeah.
1: So currently we're like 43 41 and 39.
0: Yeah, very similar to me and my brothers. Right. There's like two years between my older brother and nearly three years between my younger brother. Yeah. So, yeah, right.
1: Good planning. Close family? Uh, yeah, like kind of.
0: Were you, you and I love you family?
1: Yeah, we were and I love you family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we've gotten older, like we've all turned into very different people. Yep. Yeah. But, like, everyone's still in contact with things. It's not, yeah, like, we're not estranged or anything like that. So, yeah,
0: Yeah. probably as close as most families are at this stage of their lives. What age were you when you moved out of home? 22. Okay. Were you doing uni and living at home or were you working? Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Well, both. Um, I was working a lot but I was also at uni. So I left... Year 12 and went to TAFE and then went to uni. Yeah. And I kind of knew I was on that pathway and it was all in Canberra and I wanted to move overseas after I finished all of those studies. Yeah. So I kind of made the decision to stay at home and save the money so that, you know, when yep. I turned 22 I could get out of there.
0: Yeah. And where did you go? I, was, I know you were in Southeast Asia, were you? Yeah, yep. I was in Taiwan. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I moved to Taiwan for a year was the idea yeah. to study Mandarin and I just loved it over there. So yeah. I came back nearly six years later. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I didn't know
0: that. All right, so uh, w- when you go back to your family now at, at, a, at a get-together, what's the Webeck family get-together like?
1: Uh, noisy. Yep. Noisy. A lot of, lot of talking, a lot of big personalities. Um, I'm just trying to think. I haven't... So it was my partner's Christmas this year yep. with her family. So, uh, Christmas is when I usually get back for a proper hangout, like yep. every other year. And like, I've got two thirteen-year-old nieces, and so it's ve- it's very centered around them now. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. I think that's the cool thing about having children in your
0: family, isn't it? It's like... Especially at, like holiday times as well where it's like, all right, a Christmas, a Christmas with just adults... Yeah. ...can be like, oh, this is just a, ni- a nice day we're getting together. Yeah. Okay, we could do this any other day. Totally. Yeah. But
1: when there's some kids that... I mean, even even teenagers, like yep. early teenagers, they're still it's still a different experience Yeah, with them to, to a group of adults and watching them enjoying things and... You know, because I don't get back that often, it's very much focused on getting to know them whenever I sort of pop in and also just seeing how much they've changed. Yeah. Like they're just full-on people now. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I haven't seen them for like a year or 18 months or whatever. And then the next time I see them, like they will have gone from, um, you know, just telling me about school for a bit and then just wandering off, like mid-conversation just wandering off to saying to me, like, what's going on
0: with you? Yep. What are you doing? What, like, what's your partner up to? That's like. One, that's very rare for a 13-year-old to ask about you. I've So I've got a 12-year-old and yeah. I also coach an under-14 basketball team. Yep. And I don't think one kid in that uh, team has asked me, how you doing? Like, it's all. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's a different relationship with coach and kid to auntie and and uh, niece. yeah, sure. Uh, but it is that thing of going. it's they're very centered on themselves, which is what they should be at that age.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. and I know I know that you're right because it immediately popped into my head that the other night I did a gig with Sammy Shah, yep. and his daughter was there, both of his daughters, but one of them is a teenager yep. and the other one's a baby. And his teenage daughter said to me, "How have you been?" And I said, sorry? <laughs> like, I heard it, but I'm like, she's like 15 or 16 or something yeah. now. And so, and I was like, what? Because, you know, I similarly to you, like I'm used to doing like comedy workshops for year nine and 10 kids yep. through the comedy festival and whatever. And they're just, they're all just like, oh. Yeah. But they've got nothing but contempt for you, even though you're just, you know, trying to give them a fun time for a couple of hours. Yeah. And they're not having to do maths or science, but they just look at you in disgust, like, yeah. You're just this worm. And then and then she's saying, how have you been? And I'm like, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, thanks, mate. Like, what about you? <laughs> a teenager? Interesting. Uh,
0: so you've been with your partner for a fair while now.
1: Yeah, nearly six years.
0: Nearly six years. Uh, and so are you close to her family? Is Ellie close to her family?
1: Um. Yeah, well, her mum and her stepdad live in New Zealand. Yep. Um, they're... I mean, they see each other pretty regularly and stuff. Um, And then her brother lives in Perth and, you know, we see him at Christmas times and stuff, um, but we get along really well with him. Yeah. And then Ellie is a twin. Yep. And her twin lives here in Melbourne and we see them really often with their partner. So we had dinner there last night. Yeah. So, yeah, we hang out with them quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, so I guess clo- close to her twin and then fr- probably not so much with the rest of the family. Like m- maybe that's got to do with proximity more than anything. Yeah. it's And busy. Like, She's a nurse. Yeah. She's got such a busy life. Like we'll get her on the pod and she'll be like, I've shut down every <laughs> burner. I've <laughs> shut them down. I don't want them to go on ever again. <laughs> All
0: right, so uh, we talked about Christmas. So growing up. In the Webeck family, who was, did Santa give the big presents or did mum and dad give the big presents? I think it ebbed and flowed. Okay.
1: Yeah, it definitely did. Like w- when we were really little, I think it was Santa. Yep. Like I, I remember getting like the swing set and um, w- which was a really big deal, like the swing set with like the slide attached and that sort of stuff in the backyard. And then we'd always get like... All our sporting gear and that kind of stuff of Santa, which we were mad for, yeah. um, obviously, and um, yeah, as as we got older, I feel like my parents started like giving us the bikes and stuff, and Santa, you know, got more into the board game kind of scene. Like he started slacking on the job, probably yeah.
0: probably giving the good stuff to the little kids. Yes, well, <laughs> I, I I only ask that because it's is that thing. and uh, I don't know if it's more creative people, but I've asked it a few people. And it's the Santa gives the big presents, and I think there is something about trying to build this magical world, and give, And I'm not uh, look. I've ha- I've only done like twelve of these episodes, so mm-hmm. I'll have to ask more people to get <laughs> sure. a proper sample size. But with creative people, I think their parents are like, oh no, we're going to create this world of we're going to have like big presents from Santa Claus from this like. Magical being that comes in once a year and gives you these big a, and build this kind of fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And the other people who I've spoken to who aren't in the creative arts was like, I oh, know, mum and dad gave the big presents.
1: Yeah, right. I, That's I'm not, interesting. I'm
0: not sure. This is just a theory. We'll yeah. wait, wait till 100 episodes and we'll have enough to. Yeah, say, oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, enough data. Yeah. Well,
1: we, I mean, certainly the magical kingdom was created for us. Yeah. I mean, to a huge extent, like my dad. Was one of those like turn the garage into Santa's workshop guys? Excellent. So like basically until, you know, he he got a little bit older and and was sort of forbidden for from zooming up and down the ladder, yeah, for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, the whole house was decorated and the whole front lawn and and it was like one of those destination houses that people would take their kids to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like Christmas was a massive deal in my household.
0: Yep. What did Dad do? Was he a teacher? No. Um, Can I say, and this is not a judgment. On yeah. You, you just give off. My dad was a principal. Vibes. <laughs> In what way? I don't know. Like you're very polite. You you, you follow the rules. It's it's. I think I think it's a real principle kind of like yeah.
1: I follow the I follow the rules publicly. <laughs> Mm. Um, that's really funny. I like that. I've got to pop that there on my go. website. Yeah. big. My dad
0: was a prince. Yeah. vibes. I think that you got know, something about. And I, I'm the same. We like fairness. be like justice. Like oh, in our yeah. private chats, it's that thing of like, the, it sometimes like the, we just want people to be fair. We just want things to be fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, because in some ways, like I see that as. Uh, one of my biggest personality flaws, because because yeah. I'm like a dog with a bone with it. Yeah, like it's something about myself that I wish I could rein in a little bit. But yeah, it's it's like that thing. Like if I hear someone being nasty about somebody else in the green room, the person being nasty is dead to me. Yeah, and it's so hard for me to back down from that. Yeah, I'm just like they're so toxic. Like, what are they doing? And it's it's really hard, it's, but it's that commitment to fairness and justice. I'm like, that person's not here to defend themselves. Yep, you're not t- just telling a funny anecdote about them. You're trying to make them look ridiculous in front of everybody behind their back, kind yes. of thing. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And so it's sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I could rein it in a little bit because it's so it, it's just cutthroat.
0: Yep, it's, I'm the same. I've got yeah. people who have slighted me once and I don't even know if they even knew they did it. I'm like, <laughs> done, done. Yeah. That's it.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. It's But it, it it's literally just related to, like, fairness and justice. Yeah. It's like I'll just look at or hear something someone's saying and I'll be like, nah, absolutely not. Like I do not want somebody that thinks in that way or speaks in that way, like in, in my orbit in yep. any way. Like it'll it, it'll catch up with me at some stage as well, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. The fairness and justice thing. But, um, to get back on track, my yes. dad, dad was in the air force.
0: Oh, um, is that why you were based in Canberra?
1: Yeah. So when, like I was born and weeks after I was born, um, they got posted to Queensland. Yep. So we were up in Ipswich for a while and my little sister was born in Queensland and then uh, they got posted back to Canberra and then... I I think once they got back to Canberra they kind of realised that they didn't want Dad to be posted every two years. Yeah. And us to be those transient kids that are picking up and going to new schools all the time. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Dad pulled the pin on the Air Force and, um, yeah, and we ended up staying in Canberra basically. Yeah. And Mum's family was in Canberra and, yeah, so it all worked out because Mum was in Canberra. Because she was from an army family. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So ended up in Canberra that way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What Did your mum work?
1: No. Yep. Not after she had us. Yeah. No. Not, not until many years
0: later. And your parents are still together?
1: Still together. Yep.
0: Are they in love? I've never asked that of someone.
1: Yeah, right. I don't... I, I guess. I don't know. It's so hard to tell with older people, don't you think? It really is. Like, it's hard to tell if they're still in love or if...
0: They're in acceptance. Yeah. Because <laughs> or if they're in habit. Because Beck asked me when my parents were still together, she goes, Do you reckon your parents love each other? I'm like, Yeah, they just that's another talk to each other. They're just like, you know, they've been together for so long. They've just got this shorthand where they can be kind of mean to each other, but they know each other loves each other. And then they divorced a year later. And uh wow. <laughs> but also around that time, uh, we we're all there and mum at the dinner table was like, Right, I've thought about it. When I die, if I die after your father, do not bury me next to him. I don't want to. I've slept next to him for 38 years. That's it. I've And we're like, all right, my And it's that thing. She was being funny, but at the same yeah. time she was really meaning going, I do not want to be buried next to him.
1: It was a bit of truth in jest. Yeah. I, but I love that logic. Yeah. Like <laughs> after I pass away, it's time for me to have a bit of
0: freedom. I want to be on the other side.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And in most relationships there will be one person who will be like, I bet you even in the afterlife they saw... <laughs> They'll be snoring. I'll, I won't be able to rest in peace.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's family. Would a pin in family. Seems nice. Uh, career, health, and friends. Ah, uh, friends. Friends. Okay. Uh, do you? I, I, you're very social. Do you have a lot of friends?
1: I think so. Yeah, a fair few friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've probably got a. I've probably got a an appropriate number of close friends. Yeah. So, you know, I've just got a little handful of like, you know, super close friends that know me super
0: well. Yeah. Do you have any friends from your youth still, from high school or your uni days? Or I anything? do. Yep.
1: Yep, I do. Um, You, you know, so definitely some of them we drifted apart over the years, as you do, but yep. also I think comedy really accelerates that. Yeah, It that's that's when a lot of my long-term childhood high school uni friendships sort of fell by the wayside. Yeah. Was, um, you know, when I started to do comedy and or when my comedy career started going a little bit better. I think it's actually probably the truth yep. of it. Um, but, yeah, I've definitely still got some mates from school. Yep. Who's yeah. You,
0: who's your best friend in school?
1: Oh, I had a few very close friends in school. Like in in high school, um, one of my best mates was Jordan who I'm still in touch with, who lives down here in Melbourne. We don't see yep. each other much. She's very busy but, yeah, she was one of my best mates. Um, also uh, another really close friend of mine. Who, we only drifted apart in the last few years actually but she um, lived like a kilometre away from me when we were growing up yep. and we went through uh, high school together and then uh, remained very close for, for many years after that and, and she actually lives a kilometre from me here. Oh. As well.
0: Did you walk to school together or catch the bus together or something like that? Or?
1: Well, kind of. Like we used to bump into each other. We went to different primary schools but we went to preschool together. Yeah. And then we went to high school together. So – and then we went to college together which is year 11 and 12 in Canberra. Same in Pazzy. Oh, yeah, right on. Yeah. yeah, cool. Um, So she got her P's before me in year 11 and so she used to pick me up and we'd drive to school together in year 11. The best. Uh, yeah, so good. When and the first, then
0: when the first friend gets their license, oh, it's like, oh, I've got some freedom.
1: Oh, the shackles off my feet, so I can dance. I've got some it was, freedom <laughs> and no
0: responsibility. It's yeah,
1: great. yeah, yeah. It was so good. Um, yeah, yeah. So we we used to kick around a lot. So yeah, she lives like the same distance from me here in Melbourne that she did when we were growing up. But yeah, we don't really hang out anymore. Um, that was like a one of the biggest learning curves of of my thirties. I think when I was I would have just been thirty. And I thought that it was the adult thing to do to tell my friend that I didn't like her new (laughs) partner. How did she take that? Not well. Yeah. Um, I think at the time we thought it was probably not a long-term thing. (laughs) But also, funnily enough, I was sort of put up to it by our friendship group. Yeah. Who then... Um, Backflipped and pretended they had nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah, that sucks.
1: Yeah, and uh, who also were actually speaking of fairness and justice, they were actually, um, you know, making memes and stuff about this person, yeah, and having a real laugh at their expense. And I was like, not involved in any of that. And so I, but I thought, no, I mean, I you know if 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 my friend thought that you know i was going out with somebody who wasn't great I, i'd you know appreciate them letting me know this is my 30 year old wisdom yeah and it it didn't go well and we kind of maintained a bit of a friendship for pro- actually probably like 7 or 8 years after that yeah. but that long story short they recently got married oh, that's yeah and so it's like yeah. All right, Kirsty. Like we we know what your opinion is, but so I got thrown under the bus. Um, I mean, no, I didn't. I threw myself under the bus as well. But I had a cheer squad behind yeah. me while I was doing it, and it's it's funny to see that um they all still
0: kick around together. A yeah, bit, those, those so. friends didn't say, "Hey, stop the bus."
1: No, they were like, oh, like yeah. Mohood. We don't know what she's talking about. We absolutely didn't tell – we didn't egg her on. We didn't tell her she had to
0: do something. That's really – so when me and my uni friends, there was like four of us who were pretty tight and um, we caught up – this is like a decade ago – and two of us had girlfriends all through uni. And when we met up, we were like – because we kind of lost contact and talking about how we kind of broke up with the, our girlfriends. And all of us were like, yeah – we knew that that wasn't a good relationship, and you should have been out of it earlier. And I was like, "Well, you should have told me." Like, we're not going to tell you. Like, how are we going to tell you? And yeah. then my other friend, I was the same. Like, well, your your partner was no good. And he goes, "Yeah, I know that now. I should." Yeah. And with that thing of like looking back, um, we could have had so much more fun at uni. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you look at it and go, well, "Yeah, but what would my, like? How different would my life be now if I wasn't like that relationship? Actually, made me the person I am. Like, yes." Yeah, for better or worse, but it was that, and I, I'm, and yeah, you look at it and go, I, I have a lot to thank for that relationship, but all sure. at the same time, I'm going, oh, some regrets there. I should have, I should have pulled yeah. the pin earlier. Um,
1: well, yeah, and I mean the other side of it as well is that m- most people don't want to hear, they don't want to hear it. Of course not like if they haven't arrived at their own conclusion and they've willingly entered into this relationship like they feel like they've made the decision and they've weighed up all the pros and cons and whatever yeah or appraised this person and decided that they're the one for them or whatever it is people they don't want to hear your opinion on it no. like and and now I'd never tell my mate ever again yeah like I just I simply like unless unless they're a really bad egg yeah whereas that's a totally different situation but you know, this person's not. He was rude to me a few times. Uh, most of our mates didn't like him. Um, he rubbed people the wrong way, but he treated our friend so well, which is the last conversation that we had as well. Like I said to her, I shouldn't have said anything. And at the end of the day, he treats you really well and I'm not in the relationship. Yeah. So if I had my time over again, I you know wouldn't have said anything. Um and, but it comes down to that. It's like it doesn't matter what you see from the outside. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's not going to work in your favour.
0: Are you comfortable having those big conversations with friends like that? Like, you know, the, if there's something they you think they need to know, are you comfortable telling them, hey, this is what I my opinion of whatever it is that's happening?
1: I think so. I mean, with certain friends that I have that relationship with, yeah, I, th- I think so. Like we're we've got that foundation of honesty and, yeah, I mean I wouldn't just give some unsolic- unsolicited advice to like, you know, one of my friends that I don't know as well. Like I wouldn't be like, hey. Yeah. Hey, what, or, or, you know, just uh, context matters a lot as well. And it's, Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – but I, I feel like I, I think I've got to – it probably goes back to what we were saying before about the fear and justice thing. Like it's – It's kind of back to that. It's like I've I've got a greater good kind of mentality, and so sometimes I'm like the pros of me being honest about this thing outweigh the cons. Yeah, and I care about my friend's well being, and am I acting with their well being? The interests of that, like at heart, yeah. and and if I can honestly say to myself, yes, you're doing this for your mate. It's not, you know, due to your, anything to do with yourself or whatever. Then yeah. I, I've got no problem doing it.
0: Do you think what you look for in a friendship has changed over the years? Um,
1: probably. Actually, actually, definitely. Yeah. 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 I had to have a proper think about that. I've I've never thought about that, but. Definitely. Um, I was a big partier. Yep. When I was younger. Um, in my twenties and stuff, like nothing nothing wild, like and you know, like a big drinker. Huge drinker and just regular Australian culture kind of stuff. And I stopped drinking so much in my thirties. Um, probably like my early thirties. Yep. I started becoming like a sporadic drinker. And I dabbled in giving up drinking several times because I didn't really enjoy it. Yep. Like By the time I was 32, each year I was having like six months off. Yep. Whereas it's like uh, I had a bunch of beers over summer. I had a nice time. I, it's not serving me in any way. I, I want to have a break. And um, by the time I was in my late 30s, I was like, oh, I was like, I don't, I don't think I enjoy it anymore. And I don't think it has a good impact on my body or my yeah. mind or my sleep, or which are obviously all intrinsically linked. And um, I was like, I'm going to have a break, and I don't know how long for. And anyway, it's nearly been three years. Yeah. And that progression over my 30s, I think, has had a big impact. Um, you realise that you have friends in your orbit that you can't, you couldn't call up. If you needed them. Yep. Um, Largely because they'd probably be drunk, which is what you enjoyed about them. Yeah. They were a pub friend. Yep. And um, and they just fall by the wayside. Like you don't feel any differently about them, but they don't want you at the pub. Yeah. Because you're not doing shots with them and, you know, having that kind of fun anymore. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that alone I guess has a big impact on who you're drawn to to hang out with.
0: Yeah. For me, I I just feel I'm like I've always been drawn to – People who made me laugh. Yeah. it was That was the same. most important thing. Always. A, yeah. Anyone, like, if if I thought they were funny, I wanted to be their friend. Yeah. And then late teens, early 20s, it was like, and this is just that time of your life, are they cool? Oh, co- being cool is really important. Right. But then it was always, I realized I'd have more fun with the, my friends who were funny. Yes. And so it was always, oh, they're cool, but they're, they're, they're oh, it's fucking. I can't talk about plays and theatre all the time. Like I actually want to actually be around guys who are funny. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I, I say guys, guys, girls. Yeah. But, um, sure. yeah, it was that thing of just going and then now it's like, oh, yeah, it's still and I'm, I'm very happy. It's still do they make me laugh. Great. Absolutely. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I realised that um, I reckon like around when I was 30, I realised that was a common thread for me. Yeah. Because I'd meet people who were so nice And, you know, sometimes they wanted to hang out. Like we'd meet at a party or whatever and they'd want to hang out. Yeah. And I'd be like, I know on paper I should like them. Yeah. And I should want to – and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then I realised and I was like, oh, they're not funny.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like, I just can't hang out with people that don't make me laugh. And then, you know, when you say that, people that aren't comedians automatically think that you're saying you just want to hang out with comedians. And I'm like – most of the funniest people I know aren't comedians. Yeah. Like they're two totally different things. Like yeah. the the majority of people are funny in some way, I find. Yeah. But I'm like, no, like the, the funniest people that I know would never be a comedian. Yeah. Like absolutely not. So, but yeah, it's very much the same for me.
0: All right. Um, We kind of talked about this. Have you had any any friendship breakups?
1: Yes, I have. I absolutely have. Um, and was
0: it an incident or was it like a slow ghosting?
1: A combination, yeah. Like a few, a few different things, um, and mostly with long-term friends. Yep. Um. Yeah, and I like only a handful. Yeah. Like others, we've just drifted and lost touch. Yep. And you know when people move overseas or you start touring all the time or like whatever it is we've just lost touch if we bumped into each other tomorrow we'd be overjoyed great but then yeah there's been there's been a handful from my school friends and Probably, probably three that I can think of, which I don't know if that's bad or good. I mean, I'm 41. Yeah. Three a, seems okay, doesn't that it? Seems,
0: of all the people you've met and been friends with, three that you had to lose, that's pretty good odds.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, actually,
0: do you know what? That's like I, Harlem Globetrotters level of odds. <laughs> like you, you've lost three <laughs> over 41 years.
1: I've lied, though. I think I've actually lost the whole Harlem Globetrotters team when right? I'm thinking about it. Because I did, I actually lost that whole friendship group from... From, the story yeah. I was telling before, um, which was weird. Yeah. That was weird. They were my core friendship group. And around that time, I mean, it's, I don't think about it anymore, but at the time I I was awake constantly at night trying to work out what had happened. But I think essentially what had happened was I'd called someone in the group out about, the behind the back bullying stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, you can't be doing this. Like we grown ups kind of thing. And I woke up one day and I'd I went to DM on Instagram and one of them and I was blocked. And I was like, what? And then I went through and realized that I'd been blocked and unfriended by the whole group. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then like that that was a group that I was kicking around with. So I was like, oh, okay all right, I've been booted from the group. Yeah. And then in recent times I've crossed paths with a couple of people from that group who were like, yeah, we don't know what happened. They're just like, we don't know. We were hanging out one day and then we weren't and nobody was hanging out with you anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool.
0: Yeah, someone knows what happened. You don't accidentally all just block someone for no reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we were hacked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Craig Kelly situation all over again. Yeah. Um, Oh, when you moved overseas, how did you make friends overseas? Was there a support system of other teachers all there? Yeah. yeah.
1: So it was. So I went over. They called themselves the McDonald's of English teaching. Yeah. So I went over to study Mandarin but I had to get a visa through teaching. And we, I think we did 10 days of training yep. when we arrived in Taipei and there was like 60 of us. And we lived in a hotel for the 10 days, trained for like, 10, 11, 12 hours a day Yeah, in different groups and whatever. And then, like, we were all the best of friends by the end of it because yeah. we had this shared wild experience yeah. of moving to another country together. And then the brutal bit was that we were all just spread out across the whole island. Yeah. And it was actually cool as well, though, because, I mean, tip to bottom of Taiwan is like seven hours in a car. Yeah. So nobody was that far away from you. And... It meant that all over the country you had people to crash with yeah. or to go and hang out with when you went to visit places. So they re- – and having said that, there were plenty of people in this group as well that weren't your jam. Yeah. But out of that number of people, like, you know, th- there was at least 20 that I, I like, fell in love with yeah. over that 10 days. Yeah, great. And, yeah, so I had this instant group of friends and then it spread out from all of them. You'd go and hang out with them in their little town or whatever and they'd be with – the teachers from their school after hours, and then those teachers would be your friends now as well. Yeah. So, it, you made friendships really quickly, and a lot of those people I'm still friends with now, like w- really solid friendships. Yeah. Like, but if not all of them, like n- certainly none of us fell out or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I guess we were in our twenties by that stage as well. So
0: yeah. And you're all doing the same. Like you all have a common thing. We're all teaching. Yeah, we're all experiencing being overseas and teaching and you know, have that bond. It's a bit like yeah. in comedy. We're all doing comedy. So we've got that thing like I can talk to a comic wherever I am in the world. If we're in a backstage green room, we've got something to talk about.
1: Yeah, like, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think part of that is I think part of it is overcoming similar hurdles together. Yeah. Like I think that's what advances your bond when you th- so you've got stuff to talk about, but like in comedy it's – there's – the camaraderie, a lot of it in comedy, comes from n- knowing the hardships yeah. of or, – or not – and by hardships, obviously I'm not saying that it's the worst job in the world or whatever. Like, we love it. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make in itself. Like, people are just like, well, what could be hard about that? Yeah. What an easy job. Whereas your mates are like – Oh you had a rough one out there mate. Yeah. Like don't worry about it. It was and like they understand the nuance of it and everything. And it's the same as like being in Taiwan. It was like it, we were overcoming obstacles together all the time. Yeah. Even if they weren't, you know, world enders, it was like this is hard. Yeah. There's challenges and we're helping each other. And it's that thing um you know psychologists say like if you want someone to like you, ask them to do you a favor. Oh. Or ask them for help.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. It's like when you're asking another comic for advice or... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or or they feel like they're comforting you after a set or vice versa. Like it creates this bond. Yeah. And it was the same in Taiwan. Like people would often like ask me to bring up like the gas man to get a new gas bottle at their apartment because, you know, they couldn't speak Mandarin or whatever. Yep. And so bonds were like constantly formed through that because you had this network where you were helping each other and... Trying to get stuff done together. That's really
0: good. i have to remember that. Ask, ask for advice and get close to people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or just be friendly. <laughs> yeah,
0: that too, yeah. All right, we've got two left, health and career. Which one do you want to do?
1: Uh, let's do health. Health. Okay, would you say you're healthy? I am healthy. Yep. Yes. I am. I say this with great confidence because I had a medical last week. Excellent. <laughs> so, I mean, medically, yes, I am healthy. Um, yep. According to all of my tests, I am.
0: Excellent.
1: I am always trying to be healthier. Yep. I am trying to be more consistent with my health habits.
0: Yep. Always. What, what stuff uh, trips you up?
1: Well, <sighs> I know that sleep is at the absolute core for me and it should it should be for everyone it it theoretically is but for me having bad sleep really impacts me yeah and in general i'm very good with healthy habits i'm a very regular exerciser i love exercising i love cooking food at home i'm a relatively um i'm a relatively healthy eater but when the wheels come off they come off spectacularly yeah so I had a rough end of the year last year, and it was just like at least like three months of the wheels just falling off. And yeah. I, I wasn't sleeping, which meant I wasn't going to the gym because I couldn't. I was too tired. Yeah. Um, and then you start craving eating crap food, and yeah, and then it just snowballs, and then you end up feeling like you're just in this well. And you're like, well, how how am I ever going to recover now? Like I've like I've ruined everything, and yeah. it's like, no, mate, just just start in the morning.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing because you know, knowing a bit of what happened at the end of the last year, and you know, you needed time to one protect yourself from yeah. things, and also to you know be forgiving of yourself for going. Oh, well, I don't want to do that because what we were you going through? I completely understand. Like, why would yeah. you want to? Yeah do stuff and are you are you good at kind of forgiving yourself for if you do fall into like a like say two weeks of bad habits or bad eating and then are you all right at going or do you like kind of beat yourself up about it
1: i am now yeah i probably only in the last like 12 months so yeah like i don't think i'd appreciated before that um the importance of being kind to yourself yeah because if you do beat yourself up when the wheels fall off, it makes it worse because then you get into these feelings of like uh, poor self-worth. Yeah. Like, well, I'm useless at this, so why even bother? That yep. kind of thing where it's like if you practice a bit of compassion with yourself and just pick up tomorrow. Yeah. Like or today. Like that's another thing that I've learned. I'm like just pick up today. Yeah. Like – Sure, you might not be happy with what you ate for lunch. Go for a walk. Drink yeah. some water. Yeah. Like just eat something that you'll feel better about for dinner. Like it doesn't have to be a clean 24 hours. No. It's just at any point you can pull yourself up and be like, oh, you're doing something you don't want to be doing. Yeah. Just in this moment right now you can stop that. And I remember many years ago I met I met somebody when I was travelling through South America and uh, Sophia, a real legend, and she, uh, she was from England and she said to me that she'd basically turned her health around in recent times. And she said that a sort of mantra that she used while she was doing that was every passing moment is an opportunity to turn your life around. And obviously within reason. But yeah. she, when talking about her health and her, you know, having access to good food and, and water and, and, you know, facilities for exercise and whatever she'd say that to herself and and I always say that to myself as well. Yeah. I'm like, it It doesn't matter that you had cake for breakfast. I had, like, just ha- have a salad sandwich for lunch. Yeah. Go to the gym. Go for a walk. Like, and don't punish yourself. Like, I think I went through a real phase of that in my early 30s as well where I'd use, like, exercise and food as punishment. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I'll just go and burn those calories off. And it is such an unsustainable way to run your life. It's yeah. like – and I'm really into this idea of, like, exercise is more of a celebration of what your body can do. Yeah. And ever since I've started, like, reframing it like that, it's been so much more enjoyable rather than being, you know, being at the gym, which I've always loved. I've always been a gym goer. And I, I still tend to go, like, four or five days a week. Yeah. And – um, you I've been through big periods in my life where I've been like, right, I'm not leaving the gym until I've burnt 800 calories according to my smartwatch. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing at the gym to burn calories, mate? Yeah. Like, you don't go to the gym just to burn calories. Like, get up and move around during the day, go for a walk, walk to the letterbox, take yep. the dog for a walk. Like, that's all your calories being burned and through being alive. Yeah. That's when the majority of your calories are burned and just by existing during the day. Yeah. It's like go to the gym to get stronger and to feel good about yourself and to clear your mind. Like
0: yeah, I I see it and talk to people at the gym as well who like really beat themselves up if they don't do a PB. It's like yeah, you just your body needs rest and some days you're just not feeling it and so. You, it's, the, and the cliche is the hardest thing to do at the gym is open the front door. Like that's the like, if mm. you're in there, like great, you you got to win. Yeah. And so when you see people going, oh yeah, I'm not lifting what I used to lift, or I'm not running as fast as I used to run, and blah, it's like yeah, but you you're still doing it. Like you just got to find the things that, if the action of doing it is enjoyable, that's you, you're winning. Like it's that thing of if you kind of make it in your mindset, like I I, I enjoy doing this. Yes. I'm not just doing this because. I feel I have to do this because I had, like, chips for lunch or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, it's that thing of, like, no, no, this is actually something that I enjoy doing. It gives me it gives me a feeling of, like, power and, like, you've got one body so you want to be nice to it and so, yeah. Yes. Okay, so you mentioned sleep. Uh, is Have you always been a bad sleeper?
1: No, I've actually generally been a good sleeper. I think in the last few years... Bad sleep hygiene has crept in like for me. Scrolling being, in bed, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, and so scrolling, which is that's a big thing I'm focusing on at the moment, is trying to stop doing that. Yeah, and you know, just by changing the environment, like phone, it, it's still next to me, but it's in a drawer in yeah. my bedside table, plugged in.
0: Yeah,
1: um, but like the last couple of nights, I have been bad at that. Like I've pulled it out and I've scrolled because I haven't been able to get to sleep. So yep. I'm like, eh, I've given it 45 minutes, so I'm going to scroll on my phone, which of course is not going to help it yep. ever. But it's that curse as well. I think I was better before I was a comedian because when my mind quiets down as much as it can, it can't really, yep. but as much as it can, um, that's when the ideas come. Yep. And then I'm like, that's really funny I'm on the edge of falling asleep, but that idea is so funny and I want it in my new show. Where's my phone? I've got to write it down. Yeah. And, you know, people have said to me in the past, like, no notepad next to the bed. And I'm like, my partner who's a full-time nurse is asleep next to me. Yep. I can't turn a light on to write in a notepad. Yeah. But I can have a dim screen on my phone. Yeah. And write notes. And so it's like lose those ideas and have good sleep hygiene or write the ideas down in your phone. Yeah. And...
0: I'm exactly the same. I had an idea for a joke that I got in the shower yesterday. I was shaving my face, and I had to continue shaving. I've just got to say this before I forget. Mm-hmm. So another three minutes is just me just saying the same sentence over and over and over again, just so I get out of the shower and can actually write it down. Because I'm like, yes. well, I can't leave the shower with half a face <laughs> shaved. Um, and the other, I had the one years ago. I'd woke up in the middle of the night and had the idea for a, a kid story. And I just called it Starfish Hearts. And mm-hmm. so I wrote that down. I went, I'll remember that in the morning. And then couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, see? And it was in my phone for two years. And then it finally came back to me. I went, that's what that meant. Oh, my Starfish gosh. Hearts. And then for my kids' show, I, had, I wrote the story for it. Mm-hmm. But it's that thing of like you just when it, the inspiration strikes or when you get a bit, you just got to make sure, like, I was half asleep when I thought of it. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll write it down. And, yeah, I'll remember stuff. It hurts. Yeah. Like, you got to write a bit more information, Josh, than just the title of it. Like, yeah, so I'm with you. <laughs> some And also, because Beck goes, to, do, does Ellie go to sleep early? Earlier than you?
1: No, no. I mean, she's a horrible sleeper. Okay. So she, we go to bed at the same time. Yeah. And then I usually will be asleep before she is. Yeah. But but she'll be actively trying the whole time. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's no talking or whatever.
0: Because Beck goes to sleep first. She always says she's such a terrible sleeper, but every time I go to bed she's well and truly asleep. (laughs) And she's like, it took me ages to get to sleep. I'm like, you were pretty asleep when I was there. (laughs) Uh, But I'm I'm the same. I don't bring the phone into the bedroom, um, but I'll be on the couch like up until midnight. Yeah. And then my alarm goes off at 6.15 or goes off at 5.50. I go out and do stuff at 6.15. But it is that thing of going like it's not enough. Not enough sleep. Yeah. For me. Yeah. It's like five and a half hours. No, that
1: is not enough sleep. It's not. I'm pretty good with – I'm pretty militant about eight hours. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So the problem for me is like when it's interrupted. So I'm – Especially in the lead up to touring, so currently 3am, ping! Yep. Just worrying about stuff. Yep. And then worrying about the fact I'm up at 3am and what does that mean about me and what's wrong with me. And it's kind of getting a little bit better now because I listened to a podcast. No, I think it was an audio book on sleep. And this sleep expert was saying that we all freak out when we're up at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or whatever all the time. Yep. But that it's just how um, the sleep cycle works. And so at 3 a.m. so many people are awake because they've dipped into the really light bit and yep. then they've come out of it. And then if you just relax and don't panic about it being 3 a.m. and you being awake, yeah. there's nothing wrong with you. You'll just get back into another sleep cycle.
0: I was, Yeah, I, I was listening to a podcast where we were talking about sleep and it was like talking about how you always wake up and you think, I'll never go to sleep. Oh, this is it. I'm not going to sleep tonight. And then every time you think, like you end up sleeping. Yeah, a bit. every time. Even yeah. if it's like an hour or two hours, even if you, you do go back to sleep. And yeah. so you just And that's been great to go, oh, you yeah, just don't stress about it, Josh. Yeah. Just let your thoughts wander and yeah. that's fine and you'll go to sleep. Yeah. Um, did your family talk about health a bit as a kid? Nah. No. I don't think so. Did they talk about mental health at all? No. How, how's your mental health?
1: How's my mental health? Yeah. Um. Oh, look, it's probably been more robust. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's probably as okay as it could be. Like I've been trying to look after it. Yeah. I think is what I'm trying to say, but yeah, I mean 2023 was a nightmare. So I I really think I've done a lot of heavy lifting keeping it together.
0: Yeah.
1: Um in general it's quite good. I mean I think I do all the things that I need to do to keep it fairly good. Yeah. Um yeah, so Yeah, yeah. I mean it's probably covered in Band-Aids at the moment but I think it's expected.
0: Yeah. Are there any like red flags that you know, I've been doing this or this is happening that I need to take some time and just give my mental health the time it needs?
1: Yeah, I mean I think like what I was saying before about sort of spiralling with my health habits in general towards the end of last year. Yeah. I think I got to a point where I was like, neglecting my health isn't helping anything. Yep. So that made me just go, you know, you don't have to wake up tomorrow and be happy, like, but you can wake up tomorrow and care for yourself. Yeah. Like you can just look after yourself. And, I mean, there'll be so many of your listeners, Josh, that know what we're referencing, but then there'll be others that don't. Like Cal Wilson was my best mate. Yeah. And yeah, so like when when she got unwell, that whole time period obviously was a complete nightmare. Yeah, and and then yeah, she she passed away, and like it was four months, two days ago. Yeah, so it's still so fresh. Um, but I definitely felt like I turned a corner when. Yeah, I was like, go go to the gym. Yep. Cook some veggies for lunch. Drink your two liters of water. Like, and there was stuff that I had to keep doing towards the end of last year. Like, I had to get up and walk my dog every day. Yeah, which was a great thing. Yeah, huge saving grace. It's like she, she needs a walk. Yeah, and it's very hard to be sad around a, a small dog. Yep. that is just so delighted to be alive every day. Yeah. Like I'd take her down to the beach for a run, and I'd be like, "Oh man, like she's just so happy to be in the sand, like <laughs> just watching her gleefully bounding around." It was like, "All right, I think I can drag myself out of the rut for a, a little bit." But yeah, I think I think I had to get to a point where I, I knew that I wasn't taking care of myself properly, and that I had to fix my sleep again. Yeah, I had to. It was like it's like now's now's not the time to take your health for granted. Like what you can be sad and take care of your health, mm. and incidentally taking care of my health obviously had a positive impact on my mental health. Yeah, and so which which is why I say I think I'm pr- probably doing as well as could be expected. Like I'm I'm trying to do everything that I need to do to be okay.
0: I think it's also really important with like talking that walking the dog, just celebrating those small little wins. Yeah, like it's like this is I'm done. This, this is great. Let's. Great, I am doing what's expected. I've got something that needs me to care for it, yeah. and I am caring for it. I am doing that, and so yeah, yeah. That thing just be kind to yourself and go right. I am doing, I am doing what's needed. Yeah, yeah. All right, our final burner, career, comedy. That's what you do. That's normally the question I ask. What do you do? Comedy, comedy. Uh, was, is this what you always wanted to do? No, because what age were you when you first started comedy? 30. 30, which is quite late. I mean, it's it's not. No, it's not, but in comedy but terms. But in comedy terms it is. So Totally. And was it something because you were obviously in, comfortable in front of people, you would teach classes. mm mm-hmm. Did it spring from that or was it like something else that you were like, I'm going to give this a go?
1: I think it was like a third life crisis. Yep. Um, pe- people had always told me I should be a comedian and I always knew that being a comedian was totally different to being funny with your mates. Yep. I'm one of the only people on the planet that knows that being the funny guy in the pub <laughs> does not make you a comedian. Yeah,
0: there's so many because we both teach the class clowns workshops and so many teachers go, oh, this kid will be great because he's a real class clown. He's he's like one of the kids who's always like cracking jokes. I'm like, no, nah, it's the quiet kids who sit in the corner and observe. They're the ones who actually are really good at comedy.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um yeah, so I knew it was going to be different, and and but people would always say that to me, and I'm and you know I'm I'm from Canberra, and so people were always like, "Why don't you do Green Faces?" Like yeah. my friends wanted me to do, um, yeah, a really famous comedy competition in Canberra called Green Faces, and my mates were like, "This is your year, you're doing Green Faces," and every year I'd be like, "Nah, yeah, absolutely not." Like I I didn't even watch comedy, yeah. Like, I, like a lot of comedy movies and stuff, but I wasn't like a stand-up comedy nerd growing up or anything like that. So I was like, I wouldn't know where to start. Um, woke up after a terrible breakup when I was 30 and I was like, "Ugh, I'm going to have a crack at it. Like it had just been this latent idea in the back of my mind.
0: We have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because mine too was a breakup,
0: but yeah, yeah, you're right,
1: that's that, <laughs> awesome. I was just like, why not? Yeah. Like, your life's in tatters. You are doing a job that you hate. You've got not you've got no idea what you want to do. You are thirty. Have a go.
0: Yeah.
1: Worst case scenario, it's not for you. Yeah. So signed up on the spot. Like, went and got my laptop. Jumped back on in into bed. Signed up for a comedy course, did the comedy course, and the whole thing was like during the week you worked up a five-minute bit and then there was a showcase on the final night, like one of those old chestnuts. And, um, yeah, so on the final night um, did that. I was on last. I headlined. My first ever gig, I was the headliner. (laughs) I absolutely wasn't. I, I, I reckon he pulled it out of my hat, but I still like telling people, first heavy gig, headlined. Yep. And <laughs> loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I, I reckon I had two, three out of ten punchlines in five minutes. Absolutely crushed. Yeah.
0: It's funny because some people are like, oh, comedy comedy courses, the waste of time, but they're not if that's the only way that's going to get someone up on stage.
1: That is literally what I always say, Josh. Yeah. I say I don't think I got much out of it. The facilitator did not care. Yeah. The facilitator never knew that any of his alumni had gone on to be pro comics. Yeah. Which I would love to know that if I were facilitating yeah. a comedy course. I'd love to find out that that person that I I spent the first week of their comedy journey with is now on television. Yeah. Like th- those would be your markers, don't yeah. you think, like in that environment? Yeah. And no interest. Like just and, – and also um, Mel Buttle also went through that. Okay. And uh, absolutely no interest. Like really funny but – and so my memory was that it got me on stage. Yeah. And it gave me the bug. Like I knew after I'd been on stage that night that this is what I wanted to do. And so I'm like, that's enough. Yeah, that was worth my three hundred bucks.
0: It's funny. So I, my first gig was through uni. Like it was, I did a theatre degree, and the first thing we had to do was stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. And it was a way that the lecturers just got to know you as a person. You, you couldn't do characters; you had to talk, uh, you had to be you and talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, three minutes. Get up there and just, and it was a way that you know who, who's funny, who's what, what interesting stories that people have. And I did really well. The only thing I got an HD for in my entire three years in that course. Awesome. And then, like, I went on, became a professional comedian, and they scrapped that part of it. I'm like, not to big note myself, but I'm the only one from that course who's gone on to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I I take that back. People have done great things. Yeah, yeah. But it's that thing of, like, in terms of national recognition, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm the one they're like oh yeah josh earl came and did this course yeah okay. yeah yeah, sure and then I scrapped them. i'm like what are you scrapping it for like
1: like isn't this a case study yeah like in I, how it can be a good thing to do it
0: was the best <laughs> thing i did in that thing and it put me on a path of oh this is my career and then they've got rid of it to, yeah to, and it could have done that for to do more spinal rolls and pretend you're an amoeba <laughs> on the fucking floor um no it's a good course i i i, I take that back. um Okay, so when you started, you, did you have like a five-year plan, ten-year plan? Did you have goals that you like? I want to reach that goal.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I did it in like, um, you know, in terms of time. Yeah, I don't, I, I, don't think I've ever been that organized to be like, this is my five-year plan. But your uni thing as well. You did, was it marketing? Did you do? Yeah, I did public. I, so I did a bachelor of communications. Yeah, and my majors were like public relations and um, community development.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So. Um, when, from the outset I was very driven. Yeah. Like I, but, but I was never like, I want to be famous. Like I meet so many comedians who are like, I just want to be famous. Yeah. And it was never about that for me. I think I probably come from quite a strong background of like loving words and like, I'm a bit of a word nerd. Yeah. And so the. A part that I've always really loved about comedy is it's it's a puzzle. Yeah. And like I was talking to a mate about this recently, I was like "It's it can be so exact. It's like, it, you know, it's something that we all love talking to each other about, about how we've got this bit that just isn't quite working but we know in our bones that it is so funny. Yeah. And then after messing around with it for sometimes two weeks, sometimes two years, you finally realise that you need a three-second pause before you say the final word. Yeah. And it goes from being a ha-ha-ha to a literal applause break.
0: Yep. I'm doing that right now working my new show out and I did it and there's one line that was all I had to do was repeat it again. Yeah. I said it once time thinking that's funny and then it was like, okay, and then I just repeated it again. Yeah. I was like happened last night. It was like, just repeat it. Got an, got an applause break. It's like, Amazing. That's all I need to do. Yeah. Just re- like, oh, just twice. Hammer it home. Why didn't I
1: think of that? Yeah. Like, absolutely. And it's it's even that thing where you change the uh, word that has emphasis in the sentence. Yeah. And for weeks you'll be trying it by saying the second last word like a little bit louder. Yeah. And then you're like, I think this can do better. So it's, it's always been that sort of stuff for me. So I... My biggest goal when I was starting out was I was like, I want to get more laughs in my sets. How do you get jokes into the stories? Yeah. Like I told cute stories for a few years like most comedians do with a subpar payoff at the end of a five-minute story. But people were entertained enough to keep coming back. Yeah. Um, But I was like, how do you get jokes in there? And Cal Wilson and Reese Nicholson were responsible for the penny dropping there for me, like Cal in really overt advice and guidance. And I just remember a few years in just seeing Reese headline a show that I was on. And I was like, Reese is a storyteller like me, but why are their stories funnier? Yeah. And then just really paying attention to like one bit in the set and. Seeing how they peppered the jokes in, and literally just w- working it out, like oh they've said this word, oh and they've just thrown a quick one line dig at that word in afterwards, like and it, the penny just dropped. It was just yeah. the right person on the right night doing the right set that made me go, I know how to put jokes in my stories now. Yeah, and that coupled with yeah working you know on on a lot of writing with Cal over the years yeah. was. It was like, okay. And so ever since then I've just wanted to get funnier. I've wanted my audience to grow. I've wanted my jokes to get better and I've wanted more people to see those jokes. Yeah. And I think to this day that's still my goal. Like I'm always just like, how do I get more people to my show? How Like I'm so proud of this show. I'm so proud of these jokes. I know it's better than last year. I know I'm getting better as a comedian. How do I get more people along? Yeah, And, that, and that's always been the sort of fuel behind it.
0: What's one thing you wish people understood about comedy that you don't think they actually understand? Or not comedy, just your career?
1: Uh, if I go for the comedy bit, oh, my gosh, oh, I'm going to be really annoying There's two things. I don't think people understand exactly how important the role of the audience is Yep. in a comedy transaction. And sometimes when I'm emceeing shows, I literally tell the audience that and I give them an example of a time when the audience thought they were being kind to me by not interrupting me. Yep how it wasn't helpful <laughs> and that they needed to interrupt me with their laughter. Yep. And so I I I do jokes around it to tell the audience let it out. If you if if you think it's funny let it out. Don't talk about it in the car on the way home only. Yeah. You can do that, but you've also got to let it out in the moment. The other thing I think is um w- <laughs> the problem with comedy is a really good comedian makes it look so easy. Yeah. And then there's this perception that we just get up on stage each night and we just rattle off a few ideas that are in our head. Yep. So much work goes into it. A huge amount of work goes into it. And, I mean, I've got people that are very close to me in my life that joke about this, but I know it's truth in jest. They think I work for 20 minutes a week. Yeah. And I know that they really believe that at their core and I'm like – so much work goes into this whole thing.
0: It was funny. My mum was saying that to my uncle because he was like, oh, well, Josh doesn't work. And my mum was like, no, he, he does. Like, Around the clock. He's con- he, he never stops working. Yeah, I mean, if you're anything, one of so the like, hardest yeah. workers in the industry as well. Well, like, <laughs> so I have to. Otherwise, but it is a thing of like it's thing, people don't realise that like you just constantly, I'm in my own head about it. Too much, and it's something I'm trying to pull back on, yeah, and just because it's like it's not it's not healthy. and also sometimes it doesn't help either. yes, like uh, and it's only in the last like what well, I' say eight, oh, no, no, probably about three years that I've realized oh, it's it's nice for the audience to see me having fun on stage, yes, which I used to when it wasn't my only my only job when I was a librarian and doing it, I was super loose, and it wasn't the end of the world if it wasn't a great gig every single time. Sure. And then when I went full-time with it, it's like the pressure was on and it was oh. only my own pressure putting myself putting it on myself going, sure. if this is not a good gig, I'm fucking, what am I doing? I've got to smash every single time. And sometimes, no, you don't. Sometimes you're going up there to work out new stuff and that's fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then, yeah, in the last three years it kind of clicked. And I think maybe having COVID take it away that I couldn't perform for ages and then when I came back, it's was like, that's right, this is really fun. Because yeah. when COVID happened, I was very relaxed with though, I had the podcast happening. I was like, cool. Like Yeah, no problem. Maybe if I even said to Dave Quirk, I'm not missing it at all. I don't miss mm-hmm. stand up. It's actually been a really nice break. I'd been doing it for like 16 years. I was like, yeah, great. Like have a break. I never yeah. get a holiday from this. I mean, then it went on for two years and I was like, all right, let's let's bring it back now. Okay. I'm ready now. <laughs> but yeah. Um, all right, this might gonna be my final question. I'm a magic genie and grant you any wish to do with your career, but only your career. What's what's the wish?
1: Any wish to do with my career? What's the wish? What's the wish? More people to know about me and enjoy my particular brand of comedy.
0: Perfect answer and a very honest answer. I like it Mm. because that's also my answer as well. Yeah. My thing is I just want to to go to cities. Enough people know me. I can book a venue. I know it's going to be full. Done. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Hey, thanks for doing this. Now what we do now is we go through and you tell me which ones you're keeping on. We'll do keeping on first. So what's what's big hot plate? What's going on? Big hot plate health. Health. Okay. Here we go. Big one. All right. Health. Then, then what? Career. All right. Then we've got family or friends left. Which one's staying on, which one's staying off, or are they both going off? And I should point out this is as of Feb 13, 244.
1: <laughs> no one contact me ever again. <laughs> going I I mean, by off are we saying we're just not working on them in any capacity? Yeah, you're
0: just not concentrating on them right now. Mm. That doesn't mean they're gonna be off forever. Yeah, sure. Um, this time of year you might have to concentrate on doing your show. Yeah, Some absolutely. Might have to go off.
1: I, oh, man, it's it's so, it's really hard. Um, I mean, I'm still, in, I'm not killing
0: them. No. no, no, no. If it makes any better. So Ben Brown was on the other week, uh, Footballer for Melbourne. He mentioned the Rubber Balls, Glass Balls um theory which is some of these are rubber balls which if you drop them they'll bounce back up and some mm. of them are glass balls if you drop them they won't they won't come back. I up. love that. It's a great theory. I it works, love that. works well with the full burner theory. So yeah, I love say, that. You're just dropping these for a little bit they're going to bounce back up.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm dropping them both and the uh, what made me decide on that cuz obviously you can tell that it pained me. <laughs> I'm very expressive in that respect. Um They're all chugging along doing their own things as well. Yep. But they've got stuff going on. It's not that my phone is on Do Not Disturb but they'll keep chugging along. We'll keep messaging each other. We'll keep popping in for a coffee when we can but they will bounce back and I think also the luxury of, you know, being 10 years into a comedy career is that people people are used to you popping in and out. Yeah. Like they really are. It's the nature of the beast. Yep. Um, and I know that my family and my friends wouldn't begrudge. And, uh, I mean, a lot of my really close friends now are comedians themselves. Yeah. So they know exactly what's going on. So there's my justification to override my Catholic guilt <laughs> that is absolutely
0: smashing me right now. <laughs> I, I love the honesty, Kirsty. Now, uh <laughs> You got shows. You got a show that you're about to start in Canberra. What's it called? It's called "I'll Be the Judge of That." Excellent. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's turned, when I, uh, you know, I
1: came up with the title in the way that we always do in an absolute panic when all the registrations were due. But it's it's become about you know it's about judgment. Yep, and w- the ins and outs of judgment and. Trying to be a less judgmental person and, and all of that stuff. But as per all of my shows that I've ever written, it's very silly. Yeah. Um, lo- lots of fun. So it goes Canberra, Melbourne. It'll be in Sydney, Brisbane, Cairns, Newcastle, Perth, Hobart, Launceston, Auckland. My nice. debut at New Zealand Comedy Festival. Um More dates to be announced, all the details on my website, or my socials at Kirsty Webeck.
0: And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, Hey, thanks, everyone, for being Patreon subscribers. You're the absolute best, keeping the lights on here at Joshua Industries. I also have a show uh, in the Comedy Festival here in Melbourne. It's called Four Burners. It's the stand-up show to the podcast where I go over my four burners. I did a trial show uh, for Patreon listeners uh, the other day. Thank you, everyone who did who came along. Uh, it was great. Uh, I, I'm also doing four live at Don't You Know Who I Am's at the Comedy Festival at Mara's House in the Basement Comedy Club there, Saturdays at 3 o'clock. So tickets for all this is at au. I'd love to see you there. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Thanks, mate. Bye.